Hey guys, this episode I have a good friend of mine, Kayla Davis on. We sit here together and we talk about so many different topics, the Enneagram, you know, battling finding your worth in titles and not in who you are. We talk about vulnerability, authenticity, what does that look like in our lives and in this time of COVID. So many great things. And she sits here and just really opens up about her own growth and finding out who she is and what she should find worth in. And it hit home for me, and I know it's going to hit home for you. Take a listen to me talking with my friend, Kayla Davis. You know, with growth comes growing pains. When you're growing, it's painful. This is Growing Pains with Annie. I'm excited to, you know, grow with you guys. Hey, everyone. This is Growing Pains with Annie. I'm your host, Annie Scoveman. And today I have a good friend of mine, Kayla Davis, on the podcast. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Kayla. Kayla has been on this journey of Growing Pains, kind of getting up off the ground. And so it was just so fitting to have you sitting here and recording so fitting. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm going to say it like I always do every week, but with growth comes growing pains. Okay, okay. <laughs> every week at Small Group, come catch us there. Hey, but is it not true? Is it not true? No, it's very true, but it's it's cool that you turned it into a podcast. Thanks. Very ironic for you. Kayla, for the people listening who don't know you, can mm-hmm. you give us a five-second quick overview of who you are, your life, your deepest trauma, life story? Five seconds? Yeah, I'm counting. Okay, I'm Kayla. I'm a college student. I'm a junior. I don't think I should tell you where I go to school, but um, (laughs) I'm a communication major. Super fun. Love living life right now. Yeah, and you're also currently an RA for your school, right? I'm currently an RA during the midst of COVID, which has been the most interesting and crazy thing. Which is really crazy. Kayla and I met a very long time ago. Um, I don't even know how, probably six, five or six years ago now, five yeah, years. because it was around Jay. Yeah. So. So that, yeah, it was right when I first started going to church, I went to this high school group that Kayla was at. And Kayla, you're a couple years younger than me. Yeah, two years younger than you. And now, you know, we met each other then, but actually became friends years later. Yeah, I remember... Like Sheila would talk about you and Brinley. And, and like, Sheila is a woman who is kind of almost like a motherly figure to both of us. Yeah, like at a church. second mom where it's like, oh, I need to get away. I'm going to go to Sheila's. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I remember she'd talk about you and Brinley like, Annie just seems so cool. I want to be friends with her. And then I remember going oh, to the yeah. river trip. <laughs> Do you remember the river trip? We went on the same like tubing boat type of thing. Yes. And then you left. <laughs> And I was like, okay, there goes my shot being friends with Annie. <laughs> then you came back and look where we are. We got really close real fast and it's been great. Yeah, I I kept moving away. <laughs> yeah, you just kept leaving. It's fine. <laughs> I, I moved to Hawaii and then I came back and then I moved to Mexico. And I remember we got coffee when I came back and we talked about ministry. Ministry. Yeah. And in that, we kind of talked a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today mm-hmm. and this idea of, you know, getting caught up on titles. Yeah, because that was that in-between season of 
being turned down for something because it was awful timing for a ministry to hire me and then going into a new season of a different ministry and working for that ministry and just the messiness of all of that. I remember talking to you about that. Yeah. And for people who are listening, who don't necessarily go to church, who don't know what ministry is, ministry is basically what churches do. They're active community building, you know, reaching out. So that kind of gets segmented into different years. So mm-hmm. we met in the high school ministry when mm-hmm. we were both students in it at our church. Uh, Kayla currently is working for our college ministry and you were, so you were gonna try to work for the high school ministry. Yeah. And that's where we kind of landed is you had just gotten turned down for that. Yeah. Which I know what that feels like. I've had that same kind of rejection happen. Yeah. And it's a really weird thing, especially coming from a church and a church that you've gone to that church for so long, for so long. Yeah. And so you get to this moment where this is supposed to be your home away from home, your community. Mm -hmm. And now you're feeling rejection from that. And it's such a weird place to navigate. Yeah. And especially, you know, when we come back to this idea of titles, I was recently visiting some good friends of mine in Montana who I worked with at a different church. And we were talking about just what it looks like to be working at a church. And one of the things that I realized is at the church we both met at, which is a mega church, Mm -hmm. which if you've listened before, Brinley and I talked about it a little bit. And, (laughs) And it's so big that I was talking to my friend Brad and I kind of said, I really don't think I've gone to a church where I haven't gotten super involved because it was like the churches I've gone to have always been so big that the only way to really feel like you're in the community is by being a part of, you know, the staff or working. But then that comes back with that fight of now you're trying to gain these titles. Yeah. And titles. So you, titles. Titles, <laughs> man. Kayla and I have talked about this a lot. Um, this has been a subject that I've really struggled with, mm-hmm. and I know that you've struggled with, and this is something that I feel like recently you've gained all this wisdom on, and that's why I really wanted to have you on to talk about it, mm-hmm. because the conversations we had about finding your worth in titles mm-hmm. have been so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm starting to learn that titles really limit your character and your identity and I was talking about it to someone today of just like it really does put you in a box and I'm still learning of like being okay with titles not defining my worth yeah and I feel like that's something that is kind of pushed on us in society you think of I think of high school and how like, you so badly don't want to be like a freshman anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be a senior or a junior mm-hmm. or, you know, you don't want to be on the novice team in sports. You want to be varsity. You want like we're kind of taught that you want these titles. Yeah, I feel like the culture today, at least when I was in high school, was like you got to get as many titles on that college app so you can get accepted I feel like that just puts you in such a box and like this nitty gritty thing of like, okay, so titles is what gets me into college and college will get me a job, which job again is a a title. title. So my worth is just titles. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think this is one of those aspects that people don't talk about. Yes. And have you heard what like a single story is? 
No. So I actually talked about it, or I didn't talk about it. My professor brought it up in one of my classes the other day, and I talked about it with a friend today. And a single story is like someone says a story about someone or like a group of people, and a lot of people will just stick to that single story mm-hmm. and just box you into this single story, and they don't really give you the capacity outside of that single story. And I think I believe the single story of like, I am my title and that's it. Yeah. And people don't see me past my title and I really struggle with that. You've boxed yourself into it. Yeah. I've boxed myself in the single story of I am my title and that's it. Man. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. I like the you said that and I was just got <laughs> like chills because I was like, oh, I've totally been there. Mm-hmm. And I know when we were talking before, I brought up this idea of my own struggle where for me what that looked like was building my resume because Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the normal I'm not in the normal college experience I didn't go straight to a four-year I didn't do the dorm life I you know and I was actually talking to my mom about it this morning of it was such a struggle for me and I knew that it was going to be because I decided to do community college and then online Mm -hmm. and now that everyone's in COVID that's normal like everyone's online zoom university right great (laughs) but I told her basically because of that I got hyper-focused on building my resume and I got to this point where even when, if I felt like God was calling me to go somewhere, I hesitated because I was like, is that lesser than what I already have on my resume? Like I cannot do anything beneath what I've already done. Mm -hmm. And you get trapped in that. Yeah. It's like, I feel like today's culture is like, you can only go up when it's like, uh, Yes, but also like a title doesn't define like you're growing. Because I do think like you can take a position that's lower than what you've had previously and still grow from it. Like I think you don't always necessarily have to build up and yeah. just stick to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's, you know, someone wants to explain it to me and I've, I've seen this kind of um, terminology used to explain a lot of different ideas, but someone explained it to me as vertical and horizontal growth. And you can, you know, grow, go up the ladder and grow your, you know, your experience vertically mm-hmm. where you're just hitting different steps in order to get where you want, or you can grow horizontally where you're reaching a lot farther and you're, you know, you get to touch a lot more than if you're just growing vertically vertically, where you're in the same spot, but you're just a little bit higher each time. And I think of that as like, as a person who we want to be, our personalities, our experience. I don't want myself to grow up and never move from where I'm standing, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of where people are. This idea of climbing the ladder, well, that's great, but the ladder's not moving. You're still in the same spot. That's really good. Wow. Have you... <laughs> that sounded so underpowered. It, it was really good, though. Have you heard of, like, the abundance versus scarcity mindset? No. Tell me about it. Tell us all about it. Um. So I remember reading it in a book called Uninvited. Like, oh, my gosh. Yes. I... Have you read that book? So here's the thing. This is, this is funny because we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. It's one of those books that I bought myself. Mm. And I bought 
Brinley mm-hmm. as a present and Brinley's finished it and I think I read the first chapter and I've never picked it up since but I do own it maybe I'll read it after this it's really great I read it the summer before my freshman year at college I think it definitely helped me navigate a lot of things with college which is super nice but one of the chapters is called her success doesn't threaten yours mm. I was like oh yeah. And it kind of, she talked about the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset of the abundant mindset essentially is what like God's mindset is, is that there's always plenty out there yeah. and like you will always receive something. And like this scarcity mindset is like, oh, my options are so limited and I just really got to figure it out. And I yeah. think I think I still fall into the scarcity mindset really trying to move out of it to the abundant mindset of like there's only select options for titles and I just need to cling on to them because yeah. that's all I'm going to get out of whatever's going on right now. And then the abundant mindset of like, Oh, like she's a title, but that doesn't affect my success. Yeah. Like God's plan for her is different than his plan for me. And like when God makes our plans, like he's not looking side to side, like he's looking at you He's like, okay, like, what is Kayla going to do? How is she going to be successful? How is she going to... He doesn't play comparisons. Yeah, he doesn't play the comparison game. And I think I fall into the trap of comparison a lot, which is hard, but very true. Oh, yeah. And one thing, whenever I think of comparison, I have this image from when I was on the swim team in high school. Mm -hmm. And there was this kid who was like one of our, like, you know, our star swimmers. And I remember him doing the breaststroke. And he kept looking to the side to see where the other people are. Well, every time he looked to the side, he would go slower. And he Mm -hmm. ended up, I think, getting second or third. And I remember our coach basically pulling him out of the water and, like, standing him up and just yelling at him. And was like, you look every single time to see where anyone else is. But if you just kept looking forward, you would have been first and everyone would be behind you. But because you had to check where they were, you were behind them. And I just remember thinking, I think about that a lot, actually, and that idea Mm -hmm. of like, wow, even in like, if we correlate that to what we do today, Mm -hmm. checking our social media to see where that person from high school is, or, you know, that girl that we didn't really like, Mm -hmm. like, what is she doing? And then Mm -hmm. you find out that she has a successful business or she just got married, you know, these Mm -hmm. things. And it's like, okay, well, you just sat here for 20 minutes scrolling through her Instagram. How did that better you at all? It didn't. And I think when we do compare life to someone else and their success and their titles, I feel like it stumps our growth as a person and our track to being successful of like what we want. It's like, oh, now I'm just going to wallow in this comparison game and be like, oh, they have all these things and I don't. Yeah. Like, ah. I just want things. Yeah. And then it, it just, it doesn't ever go well. It just it goes doesn't, down. It doesn't, it doesn't ever go well. It just it spirals. Yeah. And spiraling is when it really gets dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's where people are nowadays, especially in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. Comparison is so bad. And I think of, like, what have we had to do in the last seven months, if not sit there mm-hmm. and, you know, look at everyone else's Instagrams and look at everyone else's social medias and see where everyone else is. 
and I think it's just so interesting and it doesn't just start like start at COVID. Like I, a question for you would be, when was the first time you realized that you were playing the comparison game? Like, do you have a time where you kind of first were like, Oh, um, this isn't what I, this is what I want to do. Like I'm just sitting here comparing myself to other people. I think I really want to say like high school. Yeah. I feel like that's where it starts it, for a lot of yeah, people. I wouldn't say freshman year, sophomore year. I'd definitely say junior or senior in a sense of the community I was in. And you can probably relate to this yeah. because we have we have had the same community. Um of people just being super not wealthy, but just very comfortable. Yeah. In money. And I didn't really have that growing up. Yeah. And then they are like these beautiful girls and they're like doing all these things, blah, blah, blah. And then they like complain about their body. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay. And it's, it's, it's and that person it. where you're yeah. like, okay, you're, you're so fit. You're so thin. Yeah. And, and being someone who isn't that, yeah, like you raise your whole life being like, when I hit 21, I'm going to be a size two yeah. and it's going to be great and like all these ideas. And then you sit, you see them and he, all you're thinking is one day I'll be there, one day I'll be there. And then they're yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. And you're just like, are you kidding me? I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting next to you if you're going to call. I know, I'm not even going to say that, but it's like almost like can you at least be a little more considerate of who you're saying that around because it's yeah. like because then if Ooh, you we feel just hit, we just hit a childhood trauma here for kayla if, she's, <laughs> she's like if you could just if you feel bad about yourself looking like that and then you say that out loud like how do you think that makes me feel about myself like that doesn't make me feel the best yeah. so yeah yeah i I think that high school is a very common time for that to start. And honestly, I think for girls before mm -hmm. high school is very common also for that. But going back to this idea of titles, mm -hmm. do you remember the first official title that you had, like mm -hmm. that you gave yourself? I feel like I've always chased titles my whole life. <laughs> You're like, oh, yes. Let me so, get, just pull out the list. I... <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. Tell but me. But fifth grade class president. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> if you know me, like, this is so on brand for me to say this. <laughs> like, be like, it actually started when I was 10 years old in elementary school. Um, <laughs> I, it is. It's like, I'm laughing because it's so. Like, what else Kayla. do you expect for me to say? <laughs> Like I'm going to say the first title that I still really hold on to. Like you have the plaque over your bed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of my campaigning posters somewhere in the house. But <laughs> you know what? Next, <laughs> okay, Kayla but, for U.S. president. I used to say that to myself when I was eight. Okay, anywho, so <laughs> that's, just, that's the end goal title she's chasing. No, I think that's too stressful for me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So I think the first title that I like significantly remember is fifth grade class president. And I remember the feeling of like winning was just yeah. so nice. Validation. Validation, recognition. And I think the mindset I had growing up, 
and it's not like anyone inflicted this on me i think it it started when i got this it was yeah. like i think i fell into the love is transactional type of thing yeah and i think me winning that brought so much attention to myself where i was like this is nice this this, this is, is nice. nice attention this is good and it's like good attention like it's not yeah. like i did something, something bad, bad. yeah or I, yeah and i remember like my family just being like good job and i just remember just relishing in that yeah. being like okay so titles success i'm gonna get this every time i succeed at something so yeah. i'm gonna keep striving for that and i think ever since then it was like middle school it's like okay yearbook asb like i'll be an advisor i'll be an asb advisor yeah blah blah blah, blah. and then high school was just out of control because i think the pressure of college applications and going to college and all of that i remember senior year i was some type of club advisor or senior class cabinet advisor and i had had to run club meetings like four times a week club what like a club meeting oh club meeting be like yeah. okay tuesdays is this club wednesdays is this club thursdays gotta go plan prom yeah. fridays gotta do this and then also being on like the student leadership team at the high school ministry we went to and then it was just like i was everywhere yeah this is something that you and i have related to a lot mm -hmm. and when you say this i always joke with kayla and i'm like kayla i feel like i see myself in you two years behind mm -hmm. and and i like every time we talk i just go oh my gosh yeah like i remember standing in those shoes i remember being just like that mm -hmm. and and i think it's been cool being able to be become closer friends now because now I don't see you as necessarily as someone who's two years behind always. I always see it. I see you as like, Oh my gosh, just my friend Kayla mm -hmm. and being able to now kind of like advise each other and walk each other through life situations. And one thing that I struggle with a lot is that same idea of I need to stretch myself so wide and kind of going back to that vertical or horizontal. Mm -hmm. I try to stretch myself so horizontally and, t and do so many things mm -hmm. because if I'm involved in a little bit of everything, that means that I'm doing good everywhere and that I'm winning and I'm achieving and that people, I can help people. And that means people will like me and people will be happy. And, but then it goes to the idea that, you know, it's co a common phrase in church is pouring yourself out, out, out of an empty Tea cup. cup. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like practice what you preach because I sit, I literally will sit here and advise you on something of being like, no, Kayla, you don't need to take up that extra summer job or no, Kayla, like Kayla, you don't have to sign up for that. You can say the word no. Yeah. And then two days later, I'm complaining to you about something and you're like, Annie, just say no. <laughs> yeah. I, I also use that analogy a lot of like, if your bucket's empty, how do you expect to pour out? Yeah. And I tell that to people and then I look at myself and I'm like, I'm not even taking my own advice. Like, how am I going to be one to say this, but then yeah. also not take it or actually act upon it? Yeah. But yeah, it love spreading myself out thin because <laughs> I just, I want to be good at everything. And I think we're, I want to say we're both people that can shape shift. Mm, yeah. Like we can both walk into a room, read the vibes and be like, okay, this is what I got to do to make myself, like, well, this is what I got to do or talk about. To be like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. She's cool. Yeah. 
Do you think <laughs> so, she's cool? <laughs> she's cool. I know. <laughs> what part of you suffers when you stretch yourself out that you, her eyes just got so big? <laughs> I said that, and she was something. <laughs> but like seriously, this whole this whole podcast is the idea of growing mm-hmm. pains. A part of it is painful, or else we wouldn't be here. Yeah. So, like, what what parts of your life of you as a person suffers when you're trying to stretch yourself so thin and pour yourself out to basically be in like a very harsh way other people's saviors? Yeah, that's a lot. So, <laughs> oh, and that's this heavy. is a packed question. Um, I think when I spread myself out so thin, and like I've noticed it, like I look at phases that i've gone through where i'm spread out so thin and i'm like i wasn't even good at any of it <laughs> like, you're like it was all advice but none of it was good yeah like like not like like advice was probably good but in a sense of i was doing so many things like we can go back to high school like i was doing so many clubs i probably yeah. did not perform my 100 percent best self yeah because i felt the need to work on everything and prioritize everything but that just can't happen and our friend jordan because i remember talking to you guys about like what to do within the season of like jobs Mm -hmm. responsibilities and i remember jordan saying if everything is priority then nothing is yeah and what a wise woman yeah a wise woman we love jordan t garden here um but I just remember that sticking out so much to me being like, like, she's right. Like, I can't say no to that. I can't say she's wrong. Like, I can't, I don't have a counter argument for that. And I do think when I prioritize so many things, but then also try to help people at the same time, something's lacking. Yeah. And I think it it, it does go back to the bucket analogy of like, I run on an empty bucket and then what I put out isn't the most efficient thing. Yeah. And that's hard to come to terms with of like, okay, so something needs to be cut out. Yeah. And like having the discernment and peace of that is so hard. Especially because that's like full circle. We find a lot of worth in a title. Yes. And every title you sign up for to the idea of cutting something out. And that's what makes it so hard. The idea of cutting it out Mm -hmm. is mean that you're cutting out a little piece of a piece of something that makes you worthy. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I remember talking to my mom about just, like, dropping a title, and she's like, well, are you sure? I was like, yeah, like, I just can't do it all. And she's like, okay, like, I I trust you. I was like, thank you. But, yeah, I feel like when you, or at least when I do it, personally speaking for myself, when I take out a title or take out a responsibility I know the tone of people's voice. It's not what they mean, but to me, I think it's probably the enemy doing it to me. It's not them. It's like, oh, like you're not doing that anymore. Yeah. You think that you're letting people down. I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, oh, like, was it awful or like, was it bad? It's like, no, it ended well. I just stopped doing it. People are so nosy. And yeah. I, and I am a nosy person. Like I, we're both that. nosy people. I'm very nosy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I asked so many questions and I actually, there was a moment where I was talking to one of my friends from Hawaii and she said something to me about like, yeah, Annie, you're nosy. And I was like, 
mm-hmm. even though I know it, and we'd said this earlier, it's like, you can, I know the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that that's true. But when you say it, I'm like, how rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she had said that. And she goes, yeah, I'll never forget you. Like someone had come in and was talking about some like personal story, but was kind of skirting around the main topic. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just like bluntly asked like, oh, well, what about this? And she said she sat there and was like, I can't believe she asked her that. That's so personal. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe she said that to that person. And I guess the person answered my question and was honest. And then she was like, I can't believe that worked. And I told her, I go, I'm just nosy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but that's the thing is, but then I hate when people are nosy about my life. Yeah. I'm like... So I'm that's like, why I made I a want, podcast. I'm just yeah. going to be honest and show everything. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I want y'all. you to open up, but I'm not going to open up. That's both of us. That is- <laughs> we refuse to be vulnerable sometimes. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's going on in your life? Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to deflect. <laughs> <laughs> we have this thing at Bible study where <laughs> I, I always do finger guns mm-hmm. when things get a little bit too serious. <laughs> Yeah, or I just, like, roast the heck out of Annie to be like, okay, <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> okay, now I can think of, like, a concrete example of, like, obviously people didn't mean it this way. Okay, it yeah. was the so, enemy. So give us a more clear example. So, again, going back to the high school ministry internship position that I didn't get, it was just awful timing and by awful timing like there was no youth pastor to hire me like yeah it was an interim period um so confusing for the whole church of it like it was like this nine month thing of not having a youth pastor having an interim run multiple ministries and obviously that's hard and they didn't want to hire someone new which is completely understandable it just sucked being on the receiving end of that and being told that and then also I think an element of it too, because I had a very similar thing happen with a middle school internship position. Mm-hmm. I think a part of the pain comes too from this idea that you are built up. You're told you're going to be perfect for this position. Of course, you're going to get it. There's no way you're perfect. You know, they'd be so lucky. They'd be dumb to not hire you. People kind of fluff, fluff it up to try to, you know, almost, I don't think they mean to kind of give us a big head about it, but that's yeah. what it does. Yeah. Like it, it's hard to be, I don't want to say humble, but it is hard to handle that rejection of like, this is bad timing. Especially if you already take pride in it. Take You take pride in it and people have just boosted you up about it so much. Like the amount of times during this phase of Kayla it's not you it's simply timing like yeah timing sucks (laughs) and i think that's true really right like you say that and i can just think of the world right now mm -hmm. and that's the answer people are getting is it's not you it's not your fault that you're not getting this job it's timing it's not you guys it's like not like your fault that your wedding got canceled it's timing yeah it's not your fault that you know your freshman year of college looks different than it's supposed to. It's just time, you know, people are, that's the answer people are getting right now. Yeah. And that answer sucks. It does. It, it sucks so much. And I feel so much for all those people. But I remember that summer, I feel like the whole summer was like a summer long interview almost of like, okay, how does Kayla like 
how is she a leader to these high school girls, blah, 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 everything's great. And then I remember being told that I wasn't going to get hired because of the interim period. And I remember my, I just remember my heart being broken, basically, because I was so close to the title. You like I almost get it. I, it was right there, but it was ripped out of my grasp. Um, but I remember sticking it out, and obviously... <laughs> sticking it out so i remember sticking it out and being like okay i didn't get this internship that's okay a title doesn't affect my ministry it doesn't affect how i pour into people so i remember again this is me spreading myself out way too thin so i remember continuing to volunteer with the group for small groups and i remember it was like the first small group night and it was also the first day of my sophomore year of class and it was also the night after I had started an alpha group, which is like a Bible study group on campus. And I remember driving to the high school ministry and just being so drained. And I was sobbing in traffic of just being like, this is so much. And I think like for people listening, and I feel like people, like we've all been there, but to speak into you, like as, as a close friend of yours, mm-hmm. It and you and I are similar in this. It takes a lot to get us emotional like that. A lot. A lot. Yeah. And I've had similar moments where it's just become too much, and all of a sudden, you realize you can't have it. Like you can't do it all. And I, I used this analogy not too long ago with I don't know if it was friends or Bible study, but I said I feel like I'm juggling plates. And I'm dropping them. But instead of like letting people see that, I just keep on picking up new ones to make it look like I'm still juggling. Mm -hmm. But around me, my life is in shatters. Yeah. And I I remember saying it. And you have those moments where you say something, you're like, I didn't even realize that I could like actually verbalize what I was feeling. But that's it. It's that idea like everything's crashing around you, but everyone still thinks that you're fine because you look fine. Yeah. Like we put on this mask of like, okay, from this distance to this distance, you're only going to see this. But if you get close to that, you're going to see a big mess and I'm not going to let you get into that space. Yeah. And so going back, I started crying in the car and it was like when I knew of like, I can't do this anymore. Like I need to drop something and it's going to be, this high school ministry and it's like nothing bad. It was simply like, I can't do it all. And I'm so spread thin where I'm not getting poured into efficiently. Yeah. Um, cause I was pouring so much out. Like I was, I was doing the high school girls group and then I was doing the college group. And then I was also just like, I feel like I'm also that friend where it's like, okay tell me everything that's going on and i'll try to speak truth into your life it, it is but i won't let you, you and i are the same yeah. but <laughs> but i won't talk about my stuff and that's why kayla and i are such good friends <laughs> is because we both try to deflect and make the other one talk mm-hmm. and then there's times where it's like no i shared my stuff last week mm-hmm. you have to talk this time i'm yeah. not telling you <laughs> it's like yeah fine. i'm like so are we gonna stop deflecting or are we gonna <laughs> actually talk about it um, but a question we keep talking about this idea of 
pouring out and you're pouring out your bucket and everything. Mm-hmm. At what point do you figure out what fills it up? I think if someone asked me a similar question today, um, I think what fills me up is like when I am vulnerable in certain conversations, like with you and Jordan or at small group yeah, where it's like a lot of stuff is going on. And then I'm like, okay, like now it's a volcano rupture at this point because it's been building up. up. It's been building up for so much. Like I have to let it out. So once I let it out and like someone affirms me and empathizes with me, I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one that actually feels this way or has gone through this. Yeah. And I think that what fills me up and someone, someone seeing you, someone feeling sees seen. me. Yeah. I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel understood. And I think someone that is able to be like Kayla, like this is what you got to do for you to be filled up or to like, have less priority because you and Jordan have done that with yeah. me multiple times of like, Kayla, like you got to cut this out for this to happen. Yeah. And like to have growth come with this. I think a fundamental thing between that idea and the idea of titles. And this is something that I had to really realize because I got into this habit of always feeling that I needed to build my resume. I always had to, you know, fill a bigger title and that's the idea is when you crave after titles you strive for them you idolize them because that's what it is it's you filling a position and acting to be this role and when people look at you they're not seeing you they're seeing the role that you're portraying yeah so for you to be like the thing that fills me up is being truly seen Mm -hmm. well you're never going to get that if you're always trying to be these titles yeah and yeah, I think there can be two different versions of scene. The scene of like, I'm empathizing with you. I'm on your level. I see you. I understand you. I know what you're going through. I've been through that. Mm-hmm. I can see how hard you are on yourself. You don't give yourself grace, which I struggle with. Like we've had a conversation about that versus being seen of like, Kayla, the RA, Kayla, the intern at the college ministry, Kayla, Da, 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 da. this title this title and even like broader titles of like kayla the leader mm-hmm. yeah kayla the really good friend kayla the funny one it's like these roles that you've attached yourself to yes and i and like i see that as also being seen but it's two different types of scene do you know yeah. what i mean does that make sense and no it does yeah. it makes sense so at what point did you realize that you wanted to be seen one way more. I think probably recently, like within the last year of like, okay, I'm more than someone that everyone can just look to and try to figure it out. Yeah. Cause I do. Cause we're both leaders. Yeah. We literally lead a Bible study yeah, together. We, we're both leaders. And I think I was getting tired of like, like I love leading. I love leading things like it when people look at me, but I think it got to a certain point where it was like, everything is on me. Yeah. And I can't handle that pressure. And it's boxing me in of like, guess what? Like I'm not going to be the greatest leader at everything. I'm not going to know everything and that's okay. And I think sometimes the titles that I have kind of inflict those thoughts and feelings on people of like, Oh, 
Kayla the RH probably knows everything about campus. And quite honestly, I don't. We're in COVID. So many new updates at the time. Yeah. Kayla, the church leader, she probably knows everything about the Bible. She probably knows everything about the church. She probably knows how to be a rock star Christian. No, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't. Um, still figuring that out now. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. It's, you can't, you can't expect growth to come in a day. Mm-hmm. I always said, um, I said this to a friend recently, is I believe that God gives us the wisdom to find out where we're bleeding, but the free will to help it. Like, yeah. we, you know, he gives us the wisdom to be like, oh, that's painful. Where am I hurt? Mm-hmm. But it's in our free will and in our power to actually help ourselves. Yeah. I think I want to say, okay, we're going to talk about the Enneagram. <laughs> okay okay before <laughs> sorry i had an intro it like that <laughs> we're gonna talk about the enneagram the enneagram for those who don't know is a personality test mm-hmm. and um we have the definition pulled up because <laughs> i am not an expert in the enneagram so it's described as nine different personality types and it matches each of these types with a nine point diagram that helps illustrate how the types relate to each other the idea is it's a system of personality typing that describes patterns in people's lives and how they interpret the world and manage their emotions. And so with it, I remember the first time I ever heard about the Enneagram. Um, so like I said, it's nine numbers. So in it assigns it. So if someone like I'm a two on the Enneagram mm-hmm. and the and you take a test and it kind of it gives you different scenarios in life and you kind of say how you would react to it. But I first heard about the Enneagram because I had moved to Hawaii and I had a boss and she kept on saying, you're such a two. Oh my gosh, you're totally a two. And I was so insulted because I said, how freaking dare you? I am a 10 on a bad day. I might be a seven, but there's no way I am ever a two. How dare you? Energy. We got to bring it to the table. I said, I'm never a two. And she goes, no, you're a two on the Enneagram. And I was like, no, I'm still a 10. She's like, there's only nine numbers, Annie. And so then I took the test and I am a two. I yeah, it was a really defeating moment when I had to tell her that. Sorry, Anna. Oh. I, that was a really defeating moment. Um, I heard about the Enneagram at college. My RA was talking about it, and I was like, what? What is this? I took the test. I got a three, which is the achiever. So Yeah, fitting. they all have different titles. So the two is the helper. Yeah. Three is achiever. Besides that, I really don't know, because you also can have this idea of wings, so like there's there's like a fraction of you where you can lean a little bit towards another number. Mm-hmm. So when we first became friends, what we found out was I'm a two wing three. So I lean a little bit toward I'm the yeah. helper that leans leans a little bit towards the achiever, mm-hmm. and you're the achiever that leans a little bit towards the achiever. helper. Yeah. So it's like I'm a three two, which is probably two of the least vulnerable types. <laughs> which is great maybe if i was at the ring four i'd be much more open yeah but i don't know (laughs) i don't know anything about this um but i remember taking tests getting a three and being like oh okay i didn't think about it much until sophomore year and other people really started diving into it and i was like this is kind of cool um and i remember reading more about it and just stuff of how i viewed stuff and how i acted and how i think about stuff 
was put into words and I was like, how does it know me so well? So yeah, we have the type three characteristics pulled up. John pulled up the characteristics. And the first thing I read is three sphere being insignificant or a failure. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then it says to cope with this sphere, they look for ways to win in life, reassuring themselves that they are valuable. Literally titles. Your title. Yeah. Worth all that. Fighting the idea that you need to be all these things in order to be valuable. Yeah. And the two that always stick out to me is like extremely busy, on the go, jam-packed schedules and meetings. That's literally you. Literally And me. I know because we're friends. And I know I do, this, I do a similar thing mm-hmm. where even like planning to record... It's like, well, what day works for you? I don't know. Well, what I'm I'm busy this time to this time. And you're busy this time to this time. And, you know, just like trying to fit things in. Mm-hmm. And almost a sense of busyness is a kind of title in itself of, oh, I'm busy. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm busy. I'm hanging out with someone. Oh, I'm busy. I got to run this meeting. Oh, I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. And then volcano rupture usually happens because I don't sit in my emotions either. Yeah. Which is... I don't want to say it's scary. It's just something I try to avoid because I'm like, oh, there's better things to do. Well, I think, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for your own experience, mm-hmm. but in my life, emotions are hard for me because if I'm emotional and I'm vulnerable, how am I supposed to be that strong person you go to? Yeah. So I've always battled this idea that I can't be that. I can't be emotional. I can't be real, like really open about my problems because then that person's going to be like, oh, well, I can't go to Annie because she's struggling with X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. So I'll find someone else. But I need them to come to me because that's part of my worth. Yeah. And I that's that. and I and I see that in you. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it, going back to like sometimes I look at you and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Kayla's me two years ago. And I remember the first time you had kind of – you hadn't really put words to it yet. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of explaining this idea of that. And I just remember being like <gasps> – Kayla, that's that's what that is. Like, that's yeah. what you're doing. It's hard for me to be vulnerable. Um, yeah, a, that's if I one of the characteristics that's pulled up for a type two is warm smile and eyes. Oh, Kayla, you can attest that I have a very warm smile and warm eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next time, lie better. I I, I was being genuine, and you're She's caring like, uh, and gentle. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> thanks um (laughs) yeah i don't like why do we feel the need to always look put together again titles are worth we always want to look put together so people come to us and we can pour into them but there is something special about leading with vulnerability oh yeah i think and we're both leaders it's great but like think about like sermons you've heard or like mentors you've had or people you've had one-on-ones with and i feel like the most i've gotten out of them or like sermons or one-on-ones with older people it's like they show up and they show up vulnerable they're like hey this is life life's messy this is what's going on and you can probably relate because your life also isn't put together like no one's life is put together yeah and there's something special about that because it's like oh you're human too and yeah. I can learn from that. So that's no, that's very true. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an element. It's funny because for those who aren't 
you know, who aren't active church goers or don't talk about church as much. Um, obviously we're in leadership at church, so we talk and think about church a lot more than most people do, even Christians. (laughs) Um, but a thing that I have realized within church culture is the trendy churches, the super trendy, like hip pastors are the Mm -hmm. ones who don't wear suits are the ones who dress like you and me and got to get on stage and talk to us because there's an element of, I'm not higher than you. I'm not more, you know, more dressed up than you. Mm -hmm. I'm just like you. I just got off the street. Mm -hmm. They just gave me a microphone and I'm going to tell you how, you know, how that, how God is relating to my life and your life. And we're, we're the same. Mm -hmm. And those are the churches right now that have the insane Instagram followings and have, you know, the crazy, you know, I don't, I don't even know the words to say. They're just blowing up. Yeah. Because people are craving that because people want you to lead with vulnerability. They want you to show them how you're human. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, you can do it. You can pray through it. You got it. It's like, Oh, like I did this and this is how I got through it. Like this is my messiness right now. And this is how I'm, how God's using me and how I, I'm going to God about this situation. Like there's something special about that of not just being like, okay, here are some rules that you can follow. It'll be good. How does this idea of, first of all, I want you to explain to us what does leading with vulnerability look like in your life, but also how has that helped you this idea of vulnerability and what true vulnerability is? How has this helped you start to, battle this idea of finding your worth in titles. Mm. I, as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of this one night when I was a counselor for high schoolers. Um, I remember the sermon was talking about whatever lie you believe is going to control you. And ultimately like that means God is not in control and God should be in control and not this lie you believe. So me being a little wretched, I had all the girls say out the lie that they believe. And I remember no one really wanted to go at first. Someone had went because she was a rock star and was like, I'll just say it. And I was like, okay, cool. And I remember no one went. And I just remember crying and breaking down in cabin discussion and being like, I believe this lie that I will never be a good enough ministry leader for you. Mm -hmm. And... I remember just like there's just change in this shift in the vibe of the cabin discussion of like, wow, like that was really vulnerable. And then everyone else just shared the lie that they believed. And I remember the conversation that was cultivated out of that was so good. And it was like, you know, like cabin discussion, like there's usually one or two. You're like, that is something I need to take with me. And I remember after hearing the reflection on the week, like that was the conversation. They're like, Kayla, like that was such a good discussion. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so me not putting up this front, looking like I have it all put together. I don't believe in any lies. I don't believe in any lies. No, we all believe in lies about ourselves that the enemy tries to tell us. But I remember the cabin discussions following up to that. It was like, well, Kayla, like, I just want, I want to be more in love with God. Like, I want to pursue this relationship with God. And I would just give them such a cookie cutter answer of like, well, just read your Bible more. Like, you got to make it a passion of yours, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But like, ultimately, I have the same struggle of like, 
constantly pursuing God and being steadfast in that. And I, and I think if I opened up about that, I think they would have related so much yeah. to it. Yeah, I totally get that. And that's definitely, that's been, that's something that I've had to kind of figure out too. Mm-hmm. And this idea of, oh, they don't, they don't need someone who knows what's going on. Cause that's their mom. Yeah. You know, they, you know, mm-hmm. they have someone who they look at that already knows what's happening and has already figured it out. Mm-hmm. They need someone who doesn't know what's happening mm-hmm. that can just sit there and be like, yeah, I can't really tell you what's going to happen or how it's going to look. Yeah. But I can sit here and walk you through it a little bit. Yeah. And that's, that's vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, this idea of overcoming this, the finding your worth and titles and obsession with titles really is it takes a lot of vulnerability to sit, to sit there and go, wow, the world is telling me that this is important and I'm just going to trust that it's not. Yeah. Cause it's relinquishing a certain amount of control mm-hmm. and we like, we're kind of control freaks, Kayla. We are. <laughs> That's why we sign up for leadership teams because oh, we kind of want to have a little bit of the control. control. Yeah, it is a control freak thing. A thousand percent. Yeah. How has, you know, we brought up this idea of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And I know that you and I have related in the sense that, and I would encourage people if you want, you know, to, to take the Enneagram test because the thing that is so crazy about it is it makes you feel so seen. It like calls out these things where because you, you know, crave after this, you struggle with this. Mm -hmm. And because you value this, you ignore this. And these, it connects these points in, like we said, the definition that connects um, how you live your life versus the emotion you do Mm -hmm. and you use, which is just crazy because we struggle with emotion. Yeah. How has, you know, kind of finding your Enneagram number, mm-hmm. because being your friend, you literally talk about your Enneagram number constantly, <laughs> Kayla. Like, oh my gosh, if we can get through one conversation without you bringing up the Enneagram, it's insane. I don't bring it up that much. Okay. okay. I don't. Mm, I, talk about believe in lies. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> Okay, fine. I think it's a great tool, okay? We we can just admit it. I do like it. It also might just be a cover-up of like, oh, this is me being vulnerable. <laughs> really? It might not be, so. And that's on being honest with myself. <laughs> it's all about honesty. Vulnerability, am I right? As she uses finger guns. I always say that because um, someone asked me once, what are you doing with your finger guns? I go, I'm just shooting out the bad emotions. I'm shooting out Pew. the bad emotions, deflecting it on Deflecting you. it. <laughs> just shooting them onto you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But how... Okay, your Enneagram number, you're three. How has that helped you? Like, you, you, you talk about it as a tool. How have you used it in this journey? Uh, I think I've used it a lot in a sense of feeling more like my emotions being okay with sitting in my emotions because i think sitting in my emotions is a stump 
to get the next title I want to achieve at times. Wow. That was a lot for me to say. Wow. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever said that out loud. Um, and I like the term stump. Yeah. Like, I think it's like a speed bump. Yeah. And also, just like the image I have in my head is it's something that we could allow grow and be its own thing, mm -hmm. but instead we cut it off to use it as a stepping stool yeah. instead of seeing where it could go on its own. Yeah. And a book that someone lended me, I haven't read the whole thing, but she told me it's about the Enneagram and it's called self to self to find. And it's a biblical, biblical approaches to the Enneagram and at the end of the book, it's as if Jesus was talking to you and affirming you and your feelings to each type. And I remember reading it and being like, oh my goodness. And one of the things that stood out to me is that it says, listen to your heart and experience your feelings rather than dismissing them as obstacles to your performance. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that, that's like kind of scary to think about because it's so true. And I think it's true for both of us. I think when life gets really messy and like we probably should sit in our emotions and experience them and be like, okay, like this is happening and I probably should sit in it now before another explosion happens in six months and everything comes crashing down. But it's like, no, 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 I'm going to deflect this and I'm going to put this energy into like, my success and my title and my work but that's not efficient obviously yeah that's whoa <laughs> yeah isn't that crazy like i just read that and being like okay that's really calling me out for just about my whole life of just being like oh this happened in the family this happened at school it's like okay i'm sad i'll be sad for five minutes i'll get over it what else can i do to just deflect this emotion onto work. And then with that comes the feeling of being drained and not yeah. getting poured into. Cause I do think there's peace and the feeling of being filled up when you do sit in your emotions and process yeah. them versus not and moving on to the next thing. Yeah. And that's what this game of, you know, chasing titles really does. It's, mm -hmm. It's you're just trying to move on to the next thing. Yeah. And you're refusing to sit anywhere. And I, there was a moment, there was a period of time where I was living in Washington, D.C., thinking that maybe I would pursue <laughs> working in Congress or something, <laughs> which is just so funny now. Um, but the thing that I remember being so taken aback from is this idea that these people were willing to step on whoever it took to get where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. And they were willing to pretend to be whatever they needed to be in order to get the next job or the higher title or whatever. And I just remember sitting there and going, I don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. I don't have that capacity to stand on top of someone else just to reach a little bit higher than them. Mm -hmm. I don't have what it takes to be a person who's willing to walk on others. And for the first time, I think, in my life, I sat there and went, and that's good. Mm -hmm. You know, not having what it takes to do that is okay. Yeah. And it can be honorable, too. Yeah. And I think that's hard to come, come to that conclusion of. Mm -hmm. 
And I, thought, I think that was probably the hardest part for me is coming that, to that conclusion. You know, what, what was your hardest part about being swept up in this chasing of titles? Mm. I think, like, similar to that, also going back to Enneagram. So the Enneagram 3's sin is deceit. <laughs> so basically, if I'm, if the Enneagram 3 is at a very unhealthy level, they will put on this really thick mask of, like, pretending to be someone else to achieve that title or that success. And I remember reading about that and just being like, I'm not going to let that happen to me. Because it's like, that's not... And someone that wants to do ministry, it's like, I have to be authentic and real with people. Yeah. I'm not going to put this mask on of someone else to try to achieve at something that's, like, not going to look good yeah. in the long run. Of, like, wow, Kayla's really different. Oh, maybe it's because she wanted this title. And I also don't like when others do that. Like, I don't like seeing it happen when other people do that. And I hate hypocrisy so much so i'm like i really gotta practice what i preach on this because this is something i hold so true and dear to my heart like just don't be fake be authentic and i think i'm still growing with this last part of like it's okay if you don't get that title yeah it just probably doesn't fit who you are and that's okay and you're more than your title and i think knowing that my title doesn't box me in and that there's so many different characters or characteristics of who I am and that make me Kayla. Yeah. Um, I remember at the beginning of the semester um, when my school emailed out that we were starting online and we weren't going to campus at first. And I remember that being really hard because I really wanted to go back to school. I really wanted to do all this RA stuff. And I wanted to do this title. And at small group, I brought it up. Jordan, our friend, our lovely friend. And so we keep mentioning Jordan. Jordan's also engaged to our, my producer, John, who sits here and listens to all this. Yeah. So every time we like mention Jordan, he's just like, yeah. He's like, yeah, that's my fiance, <laughs> my future wife. Um, and props to a quick shout out to John for sitting here and just listening to us talk yeah. every, every time we record. Yeah. It's okay. He probably loves it. Um, <laughs> just when I, just when I'm not laughing though, I can't laugh. Um, <laughs> um, um, but I remember talking about it and being like, I just wanted this to happen so bad. I just wanted to go back to campus. I wanted to do this role. I wanted to do this leadership. I wanted to have this title of an RA. Like I've been wanting this title for so long because I think it's so cool what they're able to do. And like, like RA essentially is a ministry. I want to say, cause like you're yeah, overlooking you're, so many people and you get to pour into you them. Help people. Yeah. And I get to walk through life with them, which yeah. is one of my favorite things to do with people. And I remember Jordan just looking at me and being like, to speak into your Enneagram three. And I was like, Oh no, she's coming after me. <laughs> um, cause I was like, she's, she's going to call out something that I probably don't want to hear, but need to hear. Yeah. Um, she said, I think in this next season of you not being able to be an RA right now, God's really going to strip you of your titles and he's going to strip you of your titles to make you learn like what your true worth is. Yeah. And I just remember hearing that and just, I didn't, I don't think I said anything. Because I was like, I don't know how to respond because it, you're right. Like, that 
it's literally what God is teaching me then and now. And I think, I think I learned a lot from her saying that. I think I remember talking about it with my RD and being like, yeah, like I think God's really going to teach me a lot in this next month or two when we're not on campus and not having titles. Cause I think I hide behind my titles too, mm-hmm. because I lack that vulnerability. Um, yeah. You don't want to peep. You want people to see you through the lens of your title. Yeah. And so hopefully that will kind of fill in parts you feel like you're missing. Yeah. And then again, like that puts me in a box and I want to be so much more than this boxed in title. Um, But it's like, okay, Kayla isn't just an RA. Kayla isn't just an intern. Kayla has the distinct laugh. Kayla loves going on three hour coffee dates with people to talk about life. Kayla loves laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kayla uses humor to deflect um kayla loves the movies shrek oh love the shrek movies <laughs> sorry kayla you keep on mentioning authenticity and vulnerability mm-hmm. and we keep using these words mm-hmm. but what does that actually mean like what does that look like for you in your life what does it look like to live out authenticity and live out vulnerability i think it's not falling into the comparison game and I think it's finding the peace of my life and my success, my worth, um, is not going to look like everyone else's. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, and being vulnerable about that. Um, I remember taking a public speech class last semester, and we read this excerpt from this pastor and how he preaches sermons And he really emphasized this idea of authenticity and vulnerability because then it makes you relatable with the people you're preaching to and you're speaking to because they're not looking for this cookie cutter person that's speaking. They want someone that's real and someone that they can relate to, maybe not 100%, but it's like they just relate somehow. And with that comes authenticity and vulnerability and someone that really wants to ministry I just remember going, oh, okay, cool. So vulnerability and authenticity is good and it's okay. Because I do think falling into the trap of comparison, I think I need to do X, Y, and Z, but I don't. Yeah. It's it's a tough, it's a tough thing to figure out. Mm -hmm. And I, the biggest thing that I've realized, especially leading people through vulnerability and sitting there and, you know, Jordan and all of her wisdom, mm-hmm. go her, has said to me when she goes, you can say the word vulnerability a ton without ever being vulnerable. Yeah. I remember she said that at small group and I was like, oh. <laughs> and that is also when I like broke down crying about ministry that night. I yeah. remember being like, okay, like Jordan already called it out. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to be vulnerable in what I'm going to talk about right now. And I remember talking about just feeling lost in the idea of ministry because ministry just looks so different right now with COVID. Um, but I found peace in that now, which is super nice. Yeah. I think, and this is something we've talked about before too. I think life often, especially in this time, feels like you're stuck in traffic. Yeah. And the problem with traffic is you, we have this, like this illusion that we have somewhere we need to be and we have somewhere we're going to, we need to get to mm-hmm. and that we're running late. 
Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you're supposed to be exactly where you are, mm-hmm. even if you think that, you know, you're running late for something. Mm-hmm. And you have two options in life. You can sit there and get angry while you're stuck in traffic and try to cut people off and be mad. And by the time you get to wherever you think you're supposed to be, you're not happy and you don't appreciate it. Yeah. Or you can roll down the windows, turn on the radio and just accept it, accept Mm -hmm. where you are and make the best of the situation. And I think that I really had to learn that with this idea of titles is the title I've been given the title I currently have is the title I'm supposed to have right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't chase titles that I think I'm supposed to be. Like even like we talked about earlier, like I'd mentioned, oh, when I'm, you know, when I'm 21, I'm going to be, you know, a size two, even mm-hmm. like things like that. There's titles and worth that we find in different things. Mm-hmm. And we don't ha- truly have a ton of control of where we land. The world has so much impact on us. And I think, if we haven't learned that before, we definitely learned that in COVID. We don't have a ton of control. Yeah, I think that's been a hard thing to learn too this year of like, oh, I actually don't have control over everything. Life is messy. Ministry is messy. Because I think I strive after stability and consistency. And if anything, 2020 has taught me to hold things very loosely. Yeah. You never know. You just never know. You never know. (laughs) Okay, Kayla. As we're wrapping up here, I got a question for you. Okay. If, you know, you had to give advice to Kayla two years ago, Mm -hmm. what would that be? It's okay. If someone succeeds, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It's okay to not be good at everything. Prioritize few things, not many. Don't spread yourself out too thin. And don't forget to fill yourself up. Man, I'm going to make that a soundbite, and I'm just going to send it to you every time you struggle with any of those things. Wow, thank you. (laughs) Have me crying in bed before I go to sleep. (laughs) And I think that's such good advice, and I think that's advice that's very, you know, close to home for right now too mm-hmm. man Kayla I love sitting down and talking with you it's I, I mean it feels like every other time we sit down and talk we it just does. this time we're recording it yeah we're just recording one of our many conversations about this topic right yeah Kayla thank you so much for coming on to you know growing pains and just really being vulnerable and authentic with how you've grown and you know the pains that's caused Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll we'll hear from you again. Thanks for having me. <laughs>